Chapter 19 of The Great Sinners of the Bible. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Sinners of the Bible by Lewis Albert Banks. The Sinners Fight Against the Stars. They fought from heaven, the stars in their course fought against Sisera. Judges chapter 5 verse 20 The immediate cause of the utterance of this poetic and often quoted text was probably Deborah's remembrance of a terrific thunderstorm in which the flash of the lightning and the roar of the thunder added materially to the confusion of the horses attached to the war chariots of Sisera. There is an indication of this in the 22nd verse, where the destruction of the enemy at the river Kishon is being described, and it is said, Then were the horse hoofs broken by the means of the prancings, the prancings of their mighty ones. This storm, which seemed to bring the forces of the skies into the battle, is taken advantage of by Deborah and Barak in their song of victory, and is used with sublime poetic effect. There is probably not a passage in the Bible more frequently quoted by great orators dealing with the theme of the onward sweep of righteousness and the inherent weakness of a bad cause. The text is susceptible of a very much deeper meaning than the one I have suggested as the probable cause of its utterance, and there is no doubt that in the heart of the singers there was the faith that God himself had marshaled the heavens above to fight in defense of his people and to ensure the overthrow of their powerful enemy. Our theme, then, is very simple and easy to be understood. If a man is doing right, he may be sure that God is on his side. So long as we are obedient to God in nature and in grace, in physical as well as in spiritual realms, we may be certain that all the forces of the universe are marshaled on our side. Paul must have had this thought in his mind when he said, All things work together for good to them that love God. On the other hand, if we do wrong, if we disobey God, we put ourselves out of joint, so to speak, with the universe of which we are a part. While goodness means harmony, wickedness means discord. The man who sins against God puts all the forces of the universe at war against himself things that seem to be very far away from him and to have no interest in him become his enemies and achieve his overthrow when he puts himself in antagonism to the righteous laws of God's government. The man who does right, who lives in obedience to God, finds hidden treasure laid up for him in unexpected places along the path of life because everything is working for his advantage, while the man who sins against God walks a path that is ambushed by unknown enemies who are likely to spring upon him to his destruction 
at an unthought-of moment. Sisera stands as a representative of those who fight against God. He seems to have been a brilliant fellow, a strong personality, a man full of vigor, and with many of those qualities which make one a leader among men. But he despised the God who had so thoroughly given evidence of his favor toward the people of Israel. Every advantage seemed to be on his side. He had military prestige. He was a great general with a famous name. He had a large army finely equipped for those days. But the people who fought against him had God on their side and he went down in destruction before a force against which he was powerless to contend. We may see in the death of Caesarea a suggestion also of the great truth that the glamour which seems to surround sin in the distance is all lost in the shame and humiliation of the reality. A soldier, if he must die, longs to die on the battlefield at the head of his men, leading them to victory. How the heart of the world has caught up the death of the young and intrepid wolf at the capture of Quebec. The artist and the poet and the historian have made the most of those last words of the brilliant young soldier who was dying, but whose spirit was recalled for a moment, seemingly, by the news of victory and he exclaimed, Then I die content. Cicera no doubt had gone into battle with thought of the possibility of danger to himself, and had pictured how, if death came, it would be when he was selling his life at a great price while valiantly inspiring his own troops. But how different was the end, and how humiliating to such a soldier. He was not only defeated, but routed, and finally the only hope of escape left to him was in slipping out of his carriage and running away alone, a poor refugee from the enemy. And as he ran, he saw in the distance the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, the representative of a tribe that was supposed to be neutral to the combatants in this war. Jael saw him coming and went out to meet him and said to him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And as it seemed to be the only place of refuge, and with perhaps the most absolute confidence in the woman's hospitable intention toward him, he went into her tent, and she covered him over with a mantle. Sisera, greatly exhausted, and with his lips swollen and his throat parched with thirst, said as she turned to leave him, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And the woman took a bottle of milk, one of those old goat-skin bags of that day, no doubt, and gave him a refreshing drink and covered him up again. And Caesarea said to her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be, when any man doth come and inquire of thee, and say, Is there any man here? That thou shalt say, No. And so Sisera, tired out, utterly defeated and broken down, gave way to the prostration of his physical strength, 
and fell asleep in fancied security. Before long, J.L., standing sentinel there at the door of the tent, knows by the regular, heavy breathing of the tired man that he has forgotten his troubles and fallen asleep. In the morning, when J.L. saw Cesera going out to the battle, his army covering the hills and his troops swarming down through the valleys with spear and helmet and buckler, she never dreamed that Cesera would come to destruction by her weak hand. But now all is changed. The great army has melted away. The war chariots are broken in pieces. The war horses have been drowned in the river, and Cesera, stripped of all the gaudy trappings of war, lies here, a poor, helpless, sleeping man in her tent, at her mercy. The moment she hears him breathing unconsciously, she seems to have formed her purpose, if indeed she had not had that in her mind all the time from the moment she recognized him flying toward her tent. Very quietly she takes a nail that was used in fastening down the corners of the tent and the heavy mallet that was meant to drive it, and softly and stealthily as fate, that she may not disturb the sleeping warrior, she creeps in through the tent door, drops on one knee close to his head, and, placing the nail on the temple uppermost, with a quick, savage blow of the hammer, drives the sharp nail through his head and fastens him to the ground. There is a convulsive struggle, arms thrown wildly in the air, a moan, heavy breathing for a moment, and then the muscles cease to twitch, and bloody and still, the warrior lies dead, pinned to the earth by a tent pin, driven by a woman's hand. Surely no soldier could ever have had a meaner end than that. But that is not too strong an illustration of the way sin deceives us into believing that at the worst it will bring us much pleasure and prosperity and honor. The glamour is all in our imagination and in the lying promises of the devil. The devil promised Eve that if she ate of the forbidden fruit, she should become wise like God. There was a fascination about that. It might be dangerous, there might be peril in it, but the glamour of that promise enthralled her imagination. What about the reality? Banishment from the Garden of Eden, in shame and disgrace, to a life cursed by thorns and thistles, by pain and sorrow and tears. All the promises of happiness and peace to the sinner through sinful courses are as deceptive as that. The man who is sinning against God fondly dreams that he is going to be able to so plan and to so execute his plans that he shall always be able to escape the punishment of his sins. But the unexpected is always happening to the sinner. When Sisera was counting up the forces he had to meet in battle that day, he did not count on the thunderstorm and its fierce lightning that was to turn his war horses wild with panic. He did not count among his enemies Jael or her tribe. 
if he thought of her at all, it was as a friend. But when a man wars against God, he meets unexpected foes at every turn. How many passages of Scripture there are which bear out this truth? When they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. For hear that word that Christ uttered about the man with the great farm, whose crops were so bountiful that he had no place to store away his harvests. Yet in that hour of abundance he had no thought of the poor who were starving, or of gratitude to God who had given him all these good things, and determined that he would build him larger barns, and then comfort himself by saying, So take thine ease for thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Christ declares that the stinging rebuke that fell like an arrow from the skies was, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. In the story of the girls, wise and foolish, which I read for our lesson, there were five that slept in indifference and carelessness, when suddenly the cry rang out, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. These messages tell us that we must always be at peace with God if we would be safe. The sinner has no reason for peace. In the very nature of things, he is forever in danger. Hear the message tonight and put yourself in friendship with the universe by confessing your sins against God, and finding forgiveness of them in Jesus' name. There is a most pathetic touch to this story of Sisera, told in this same song of Deborah and Barak. Sisera's mother was waiting at home, expecting her son to be victorious, but watching eagerly as a mother will. And when he did not come back as early as she expected, she began to worry about it. The writer says, The mother of Sisera looked out at a window, and cried through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the wheels of his chariots? Is a Christian mother or father saying that about you tonight? Oh, the loving, solicitous letters I get nearly every week from parents whose sons and daughters are in this city. Cicera's mother must have been heartbroken when she found he would never come again. Are you going to bring heartbreak or comfort to those who love you? Give your heart to Christ tonight, and make glad the hearts that have prayed for you since your childhood. End of section 19. Read by Carrie Adams, your book voice at Mesa, Arizona, on the 20th of March, 2022.